Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 29, verses 15 through 31. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also, in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me. That these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Anyone who has ever been married knows that marriage is hard work. Even in the best of marriages, it takes being committed through thick and thin to something that is not always going to feel good, that's not going to give you everything you want, that's not going to be everything that you hoped it would be. Uniting your life to another person's in marriage is just not easy. Of course, joining your life to more than one other person in marriage is a whole other challenge altogether. Not least because we always have our favorites. Perhaps some of you may have seen the TV show on TLC called Sister Wives. It's a show that for many years has followed the life of a Mormon man and his four wives and children. If you have seen this show, then perhaps like me you have come to the conclusion that polygamy is a really bad idea for all the obvious reasons and 
so many more. Of course, if this show had been around about 3,700 years ago, it could just as easily have been about, been about Jacob and his first two wives, who actually were sisters. Now, the last time we saw Jacob, he was on the run for his life after having deceived his father Isaac into believing that he was actually his older brother Esau in order to steal the father's blessing. Well, when Esau learned about this, he became determined to kill Jacob. And so the boy's mother, Rebecca, decides to send her favorite son, Jacob, off to stay with her brother Laban in the land of Haran until Esau could cool down a little. When Jacob arrived, he immediately encountered Laban's younger daughter, Rachel, and it was love at first sight. After all, the text tells us Rachel was graceful and beautiful. And after having stayed there working for his uncle for a month, Laban asked Jacob what he would like as far as wages go, and Jacob asked for the hand of his younger daughter, Rachel, in marriage. Laban says, well, it's better that I give her to you than to any other man. Stay with me. Which, in hindsight, is a decidedly ambiguous response. So Jacob works for Laban for seven years so that he can marry Rachel, the woman of his dreams. Now, seven years is a long time. But the text tells us they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for Rachel. And I'm sure that the, that the anticipation of marrying his beloved must have built up like crazy over that time. You know, I'll bet Jacob had everything planned out. You know, where they were going to live, how they would decorate their home, how many kids they were going to have, where they would go on vacations, who was going to wash the dishes and who was going to control the remote. It was all going to work out perfectly. Oh, sure, they would face challenge in their lives, but the, the fire of their love burning brightly in their hearts would always light their way through the darkness to everlasting bliss. Which is what couples are often thinking on their wedding day. And when their wedding day finally arrived... Laban threw a huge feast to celebrate with all the people. And I'm sure that Jacob was practically floating on air when at long last he went in to be with his new bride. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, he discovered that he hadn't exactly married the person he thought he was marrying. Instead of finding his dream girl lying next to him in bed, it was Rachel's older sister, Leah. Turns out the girl's father, Laban, had pulled a fast one on Jacob, substituting the older sister for the younger, which was easy to do since the bride would have been fully veiled in those days and the wedding tent was rather dark. Apparently, deception was something of a family tradition. And Jacob was furious when he realized that he had been tricked and been given a taste of his own medicine. After all, Leah was not the one that he loved, and she had not been a part of the bargain as far as he was concerned. He had worked seven long years to marry Rachel, not Leah. 
And he was beside himself when he discovered that the person to whom he was now hitched was not the person with whom he had agreed to spend the rest of his life. And then Jacob had to agree to work seven more years for Laban in order to marry Rachel as well. It turns out Rachel and Leah were a package deal. Truth is, whenever we get married, we are always becoming hitched to two different people. There's the person we think we are marrying, the one with whom we fell in love, the one who makes our hearts skip a beat, the one who looks so good at the wedding. And then there's the unwanted stranger we didn't think we invited to the wedding, who suddenly shows up one day, maybe even the next morning making us wonder, what happened to the person we thought we married? But you can't have one without the other. There is a beloved Rachel and a surprising Leah wrapped up inside not only the person we marry, but inside all the people that we love, our parents, our children, our siblings, our friends. And we all have to decide what we are going to do about the Leah we discover there. Now, most of the time, we deal with Leah by trying to fix her and turn her into the sister we prefer so we can spend all our time with Rachel. And we can waste a lot of time and energy trying to get rid of Leah, but she's not going anywhere. And there are few things we can do that are more damaging to those we love than trying to turn their flawed Leah into perfect Rachel. And one of the reasons that so many marriages fall apart, despite our helpful attempts at getting rid of the unwanted Leah in our spouse, is that she just refuses to go away. And that can lead us to, to feel like we have been deceived because we believe she was not a part of the bargain. And so then we often go searching for some new Rachel who doesn't come with any sisterly baggage. But that person does not exist. There is no Rachel without Leah. Remember, package deal. And if you're going to remain in a marriage for very long or have healthy relationships of any kind in your life, then you're going to have to learn how to handle Leah. Now one of the fascinating things about this passage is that the biblical translators had to decide what to do about Leah as well. You see, the text tells us that Rachel was graceful and beautiful, but it also tells us that Leah's eyes were lovely. The problem is that the Hebrew word here is ambiguous. Scholars can't be certain how to translate it properly. Leah's eyes might be lovely, as our translation says, or they might be weak or dull, as many other translations say. Lovely or dull. The difference is significant. And so the translator had to make a decision about what kind of eyes Leah had. So did Jacob. In the end, he chose to see them as dull, but he didn't have to. He could have chosen to see Leah as lovely. And so can you. 
You can choose to see the uninvited stranger and your loved one as weak and dull and knock yourself out trying to turn her into the sister we prefer so we can spend all of our time with Rachel. Good luck with that. Or you can choose to see the Leah in your beloved as a lovely, if unexpected, gift from God to be cherished and loved. The choice is up to you. But the only way you're ever going to be able to love all of that person, Rachel and Leah both, is if you do not try to make them fill a role in your life that they were never meant to play. You see, one of the reasons that our discovery of Leah and our loved ones causes such a problem for us is that we tend to look to our marriages and other significant relationships in our lives to fulfill all of our dreams, to satisfy all of our needs, and to make our lives complete. And dull-eyed Leah throws a big wrench in that plan. The truth is no other person, not even beautiful, perfect Rachel, can possibly fill all of our needs and complete us. And expecting her to do so places an enormous amount of pressure on that relationship, a weight that it was never meant to carry, a weight that, frankly, only a Savior can carry. This is one of the reasons so many people become disappointed in marriage. They think they are marrying their Savior only to discover a highly flawed stranger instead. But of course, None of us can be anyone else's savior. There is but one savior in our lives, and that is Jesus Christ alone. And it is only when we discover in our own lives the sufficiency of the love and grace of Jesus, who accepts us, flaws and all, and who alone can complete us, only then can we be free to truly love and enjoy the special people in our lives as the lovely gift from God that they were meant to be. Ah, but, but now we are getting to the real reason we struggle with Leah. So the reason so many of us have such a hard time with Leah and the people that we love is that there is a Leah inside each of us as well. This is the part of us that we don't like, that we wish we could hide, the part that embarrasses us or makes us ashamed, the, the part that we think is unlovable, but that we just can't seem to get rid of no matter how hard we try. And it is usually our own insecurity rooted in the Leah we see in ourselves that drives us to work so hard to get rid of the Leah in those we love. This is especially true for our children. We tend to be most critical of the traits in our children that we don't like in ourselves. And since we have not learned how to love our own Leah, because we have judged her as weak and dull, we tend to have a hard time loving their Leah as well. And that teaches them to not love her either. But remember, God did not just create Rachel. God also created Leah. 
and he brought them both together inside of you to make you the unique person that you are. And God called it good. And Jesus didn't just die for the part of you that you like. He died for all of you, Rachel and Leah both, because he loves all of you. Jesus does not have favorites. And he has given you his own spirit that your whole self, including Rachel, might be redeemed and made new and transformed into his own perfect image. Because Rachel was never really as perfect as we thought she was. She was never even truly real. And mostly she just existed in our imaginations. For you see, Leah is really just one side of a coin and she doesn't come without her sister. And that's a good thing. Because Leah comes with some wonderful surprises if we will choose to see her as lovely. And if you continue reading in our text, there is an interesting twist in the story. It turns out that beloved Rachel was barren and unable to have children, at least not for many years. But Leah ended up giving birth not only to Jacob's only daughter, but to six of Jacob's sons who formed half of the 12 tribes of Israel, including Judah, who became the ancestor of Jesus, the Savior. And that means, in the end, that we are all children of Leah, through whom the gift of grace has come into this world. And if we can learn to receive that grace and to see the Leah in ourselves as lovely, the way Jesus does, then maybe... With his help, we can learn to love the Leah in one another as well. Amen.